Chapter Twenty Two of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Twenty Two A Man of No Principle. Monsieur Chatelard's disappearance was as complete as though he had dropped off the earth. The sheriff, with his warrant in his pocket, hid his chagrin behind the sugar and flour barrels whose sale occupied his time when he wasn't losing malefactors chamberlain having once freed his mind to the grave-like hand maintained absolute silence on the subject so far as the audience at the old red house was concerned but he went into consultation with aleck and together they laid a network of police inspection about ilion and charlesport it won't do any good grumbled chamberlain will have to catch him and choke him with our own hands if it ever gets done nevertheless they left nothing to chance telegraph and telephone were brought into requisition and within twenty-four hours after the disappearance every station on the railroad as well as every village along the coast was warned to arrest the fugitive if he came that way mr chamberlain took the white motor and went off on long mysterious journeys coming back only to go into secret conclave with aleck or mysteriously to rush off again aleck van camp stayed at home keeping a dog watch on melanie and madame reynier whether they were at the hillside or at the old red house now that the purposes of the frenchman had been made clear and since he was still at large the world was no safe place for unattended women aleck pondered deeply over the situation is your amiable cousin's henchman a man to be scared off by our recent little encounter do you think he asked of melanie she considered he might be scared easily enough but i know well that he has a contempt for the usual machinery of the law he has evaded it so many times that he thinks it an easy matter aleck smiled whimsically i don't wonder at that if he has had many experiences like the last he boasts that he can bribe anybody ah so but how much rope would the duke give him do you think on a pinch all the rope he cares to take stephen's protection is all-powerful in crovets and elsewhere chatelard depends as i have said on his wits but there must be some limit to the duke's stretch of conscience melanie's eyes took on their far-away look perhaps there is she said at last but who can guess where that limit is besides all he asks of his henchmen is results he never inquires as to methods well what do you think is the exact result duke stephen wants in this case he wants me either to return to crowlets and marry his brother or melanie's hesitation was prolonged or what or to disappear so completely that there will be no question of my return you see it's a peculiar case if i marry without his consent which you are about to do cut in aleck i simply forfeit my estates and they go into the public treasury where they will be strictly accounted for but if i marry lorenzo which is impossible then the money goes into the family of course as my dot or or if i should die 
in that case stephen inherits the money and there is no doubt but that stephen needs money aleck pondered for several minutes while grave shadows threatened his face but presently his smiling unquenchable good temper came to the surface and he gleefully tucked melanie's hand under his arm as i said before you need a husband very badly oh i don't know she laughed the result of aleck's moment of grave thought came a few days later with the arrival of two quietly dressed unostentatious men he told melanie that one man was a chauffeur for the white machine and the other was an extra hand he had engaged for the return trip on the seagull the chauffeur however for one reason or another rarely took the wheel and could have been seen walking at a distance behind melanie whenever she stirred abroad the extra hand for the seagull did just the same as the chauffeur from the day of the arrival of the manager mr hans rather mysterious but friendly temper underwent a change for the worse he not only continued silent which might easily be counted a virtue but he became almost sulky which could only be called a crime there was no bantering with sally in the kitchen scarcely a friendly smile for agatha herself mr hand was markedly out of sorts on the morning following mr straker's request that hand should repair the car the manager found him tinkering in the carriage shed near the church the car was jacked up on a horse block while one wheel lay near the road mr hand was as grimy and oily as the law allows working over the machinery with a sort of vicious earnestness mr straker hovered around for a few moments then addressed hand in that tone of pseudogeniality that marks a certain type of politician look here colonel i understand you were in the employ of that french anarchist it was an unlucky moment for attack though mr straker did not at once perceive it hand carefully wiped the oil from a neat ring of metal slid down on his back under the car and screwed on a nut as mr straker hands in pockets and feet wide apart watched the mechanician there came through the silence and the sweet air the sound of thrushes calling from the wood beyond mr straker craned his head to look out at the church then at the low stone wall as if he expected to see the songsters performing on the stage before a row of footlights he turned back to mr hand that's right is it you work for the slippery monsieur um hand grumbled with a screw in his mouth something like that what'd you do i found where she was wrenched in the turnover and got to have a new pen for this off-wheel before she goes much farther all right i'll order one by telegraph to-day what did you do i asked hand wriggled himself out from under the car and got on his feet he thrust his grimy hands deep into his pockets stood for a moment contemplative and belligerent as if undecided whether to explode or not and then silently walked away as mr straker watched his figure moving slowly toward the kitchen he started a long low whistle expressive of suspicion and doubt midway however he changed to a lively tune whose title was i've got him on the run a classic just then spreading up and down broadway he took a few turns about the car looking at the gearing with a knowing air and then went into the house 
if he had been a small boy his mother would have punished him for stamping through the halls being a grown man and a visitor he may be described as walking with firm bold tread finally he was able to run down agatha who was conferring with sally in the library sally sniffed in scorn of mr straker whom she disliked far worse than mr hand nevertheless as she left the room she twisted up her gingham apron and tucked it into its band in a vague attempt at company manners mr straker lost no time in attacking agatha what you know about that chauffeur nurse and general roustabout that's taking care of your young gentleman upstairs he inquired bluntly innocent of subtlety as mr straker was he was nevertheless keen enough to see that agatha's instincts took alarm at his words indeed one skilled in reading her face could have detected the nature of the uneasiness written there she could not lie again as she had unhesitatingly lied to the sheriff neither could she abandon her position as protector to mr hunt she wished for cleverness of the sort that could throw her manager off the scent but saw no way other than the direct way nothing i know almost nothing about him comes from new york i fancy so well take it from me the sooner you get rid of him the better chances are he's a man of no principle and he'll do you agatha was silent meantime mr straker got a second wind of course he knows what he's about when it comes to a machine the manager continued but mark me he knows too much for an honest man looks to me as if there wasn't anything on this green earth he can't do green ocean too he's quite as much at home there laughed agatha <clears throat> mr straker grunted in disgust let me assure you miss redmond that it's no joking matter tradition to the contrary agatha was content to let the man have the last word mr straker turned to some business matters wrote out telegraphic material enough to occupy the leisurely charlesport operator for some hours and then disappeared agatha was impressed by the manager's words somewhat more than her manner implied she had no swift and sure judgment of people and her experience of the world short as it was had taught her that recklessness is a costly luxury she was meditating as to the wisest course to pursue when the ex-chauffeur appeared hand wore his accustomed loose shirt and trousers without coat or waistcoat and it seemed as if he had never known a hat his thick hair was tumbled back from the forehead his hands were now spotless and his whole appearance agreeably clean and wholesome he even looked as if he were going to be frank but agatha knew that must be a delusion it was impossible however not to be somewhat conjoled he was so eminently likable agatha took a lesson from his own book and waited in silence for him to speak mademoiselle his voice had an undertone of excitement or nervousness that was wholly new well mr hand he remained standing by the door for a moment then stepped forward with the abrupt manner of a stripling who usually inarticulate has suddenly found tongue why did you do it mademoiselle do what my friend back me up before the sheriff and give me a slick walk-out like that agatha laughed good-humouredly <laughs> why should i answer your questions mr hand when you so persistently ignore mine hand made a gesture of impatience 
mademoiselle you may think me all kinds of a scamp but i'm not idiot enough to hide behind a woman don't you know me well enough to know that he demanded so earnestly that he seemed very cross agatha looked into his face with a new curiosity he was very young after all something in the way of experience had been grinding philosophy of a sort into him or out of him wealth and position had been his natural enemies and he had somehow been led to an attitude of antagonism that was at the bottom quite foreign to his nature so much agatha could guess at and for the rest instinct taught her to be kind but she was not willing now to take him quite so seriously as he seemed to be taking himself she couldn't resist teasing him a bit by saying nevertheless mr hand you did hide behind me you had to he did not reply to her bantering smile but in the pause that followed stepped to the bookcase where she had been standing gingerly picked up a soft bit of linen and lace from the floor and dropped it into her lap then he faced her in an attitude of pugnacious irritation for a brief moment his silence fell from him i didn't have to he contradicted i let it go because i thought you were a good sport and you wouldn't catch me backing out of your game not by a good deal but there's a darn sight pardon me mademoiselle there's too much company round here to suit me you know me you know you can trust me mademoiselle but what about tom dick and harry all over this place casting eyes at a man agatha almost against her will was forced to meet his seriousness halfway i don't know what you mean she said tell him he burst out tell him the whole story tell that blamed snoopy manager that i'm a crook and a kidnapper and then he'll stop nosing round after me i'll have an hour's start and that's all i want dogging a man running him down under his own automobile hand permitted himself a dry smile at his own joke but immediately added it goes against the grain mademoiselle agatha's face brightened as she grasped the clue to hans wrath i've no doubt she answered gravely she knew the manager but why should i tell him as you suggest why hand stopped a moment as if baffled at the difficulty of putting such obvious philosophy into words why because that's the way people are never satisfied till they uncover and root up every blamed thing in a man's life yes mademoiselle you know it's true they'll always be uneasy with me around agatha was aware that when a man utters what he considers to be a general truth it is useless to enter the field of argument suppose you do have an hour's start as you express it where would you go oh i'll look about for a while after that i'm going to mr hambleton and lynn he's going to have a new car ah agatha suddenly saw light then there's only one thing mr hambleton must know the truth it can concern no one else will you tell him mr hand produced his dry smile nobody has to tell mr hambleton anything he looked straight into my face that day on the hill as we were leaving the park and he remembers something strange in hans expression arrested agatha's attention long before he found tongue to answer it was a look of happiness and pride as if he owned a treasure 
he remembers it very well mademoiselle and what you can't help but be square with him mademoiselle but as for these gentlemen of style hand paused in his oratory his slow anger again burning on the surface before agatha knew what he was about he had picked up the handkerchief from her lap between thumb and forefinger and was holding it at arm's length you can't squeeze a man's history out of him as you squeeze water out of a handkerchief mademoiselle he flared out and you can't drop him and pick him up again nor throw him down you can't do that with a man mademoiselle he tossed the flimsy linen back into her lap and i don't want any dealings with your strakers nor gentlemen of that stamp nor chatelards he's slick slick as they make em but he isn't an inquisitive meddler agatha laughed outright and somehow by the blessed alchemy of amusement the air was cleared and mr hand's trouble faded out of importance but agatha could not let him go without one further word she met his gaze with a straightforward look and as she asked tell me have i failed to treat you as a friend mr hand ah mademoiselle he cried and there was a touch of shame and compunction in his voice as he stood before agatha she was reminded of his shamed and cowed appearance in the cove on the day of the rescue when he had waited for her anger to fall on him she saw that he had gained something some intangible bit of manliness and dignity won during these weeks of service in her house and she guessed rightly that it was due to the man whom he had so ungrudgingly cared i'm glad you are going to lynn to be with mr hamilton she said at last and as long as he is your friend i shall be your friend too and never uneasy you may count on that and now will you do me another kindness i'll put that old racing car in order if that's what you mean of course as soon as possible but it would seem that from now on you are accountable to no one but mr hambleton i'm his man said mr hand simply i'd do anything for him he turned away with his old-time puzzling manner half deferential half indifferent and so mr straker was ready to depart for new york at last leaving agatha much against his will to complete her recovery at ilium at least that was the way he felt in duty bound to put it you have found a substitute now agatha urged it is only fair to let her have a chance a week more or less cannot make any difference now that i've broken so many engagements already i'll come back later and make a fresh start you stay up here in new york forget your living growled mr straker not if you continue to be my manager said agatha if i'm to be your manager i ought never to let you out of my sight for a minute it's too dangerous End of chapter twenty two